0: While we're doing that, I still have a few favourites. Um, I was explaining like, I've got my brother Jim and yeah. sister Sandra. and um, I, uh, it's, it was a bit embarrassing. I, I don't, I don't want to say too much. Obviously, pride's not a part of our family line. We don't have we don't have issues with this sort of thing. But um, I started a preaching a few weeks ago on a topic called favourites. We are God's favourites, you know, like a Canaanites, and you know, but we're the favourites. And Cadbury brought out, (laughs) (laughs) I think, favourites, based on, I I think, based on my sermon. I can't prove it. Um, But apparently they are, um, yeah, now you can go and, uh, they're having trouble with those lights. Anyway, I can go back if I need to. Yeah, so so you can now be a part of the favourites. So you guys, I don't know whether you eat chocolate in Western Australia. No, they don't. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so, so there's a few favourites here. There's one lesson there was during the week because yeah. I found them during the week and um, there's an empty packet still there. God's favourites. And um, it's just so important. I, I, I'm understanding how, this is how God works. You know, there's a, a few stories in the Bible that deal with um, a particular situation which is a precursor to what God is working in us in the New Testament. And there's um, three key books of the Bible that I see, or times in the Bible when people were taken out and put into a foreign land or a foreign place. And what God did and how He's working in them is significant because we are actually in a foreign land. We're not in our home yet. Do you know what I mean? We, We are all born again and we have a kingdom and we have a realm and we are not there yet. We, we, um, in fact, in the New Testament, it says that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a down payment, put in our hearts, ready for our full inheritance and our full time when we, we go to heaven um, and we go into the kingdom of God in its fullness. But while we're here, we don't just sort of look and say, well, that'll be amazing. The Holy Spirit's been given now, so we have a down payment and we can work this and minister in this right now. I'll read to you from Philippians chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. It talks about our citizenship is there. We're waiting for that. But while we're here, what do we do? Whilst we're in this earth and we're in this place, whilst we're amongst a place that is not yet under the full lordship of Jesus. He's purchased it. He's done the work on the cross. and we're, it's, But we have to enforce and establish that. What do we do here? And um, if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. It's a very familiar passage to us in... Um, Many Christians actually know this. You'll find it on plaques. You'll find it on posters. Verse 11, 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I've got good things planned for you. How many here have ever heard that verse before? Okay, there's a few. There's good things ahead of me. And I've got plans. The context of that verse is that they had been taken the people had, the Israelites had been taken into captivity and were in babylon and whilst they, were, they had been taken to babylon there were some false prophets who actually came to them and said we're going to be back before you know it we're going to be back before you know it don't do anything here just stop everything and and just wait until we get back but jeremiah pointed out he said no no the, The reason we're into captivity is because of the sinfulness, and there has to come a season before we can come back, and it's already been spoken, it's been declared, and it's 70 years. In fact, the verse before, Jeremiah 29.11, is Jeremiah 29.10. Well, that's probably no revelation to anyone there, but look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. So he said, "There has to be. There is a time." But there had been some false prophets who said, "No, seventy years. We just. That's where we're looking at. That's where we're going." And anybody, you know, um, I, you know, there's been people in the past that have prophesied that Jesus is coming, which is true. But they've said when he's coming, and they said he's coming soon, which is true. But then they said, "And on this day," which is not true. That's not, you know, I, I have a book at home somewhere, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. It was a big seller in 1987 and the start of 1988 because I think he said it's going to happen around September, Passover or something. Or, or, so there was a particular feast. This is when it's going to happen. The book was cheap in 1989 when I bought it. <laughs> He brought out a revised version that said, "I got it slightly wrong. It's 89, 1989, I got it off by a year. You know, some the moon calculation, whatever, whatever calculation he did, it was one year off. Didn't sell as well. I think people had all realised. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Um, but you know, he was he was big in nineteen eighty-seven and the part of eighty-eight. He was on talk shows and stuff, you know, because he had it all mapped out. And I remember getting the book, and it was this." full of crazy calculations, this many months, and Daniel, you all into the, just all this stuff. One of the things and the problems with that craziness is people would get it, and you know what There is what they would often do is they would freeze. They would say the time's coming, and they'd slow down, and they'd just get and wait. They'd stop everything, and, and, disc, and they'd be sort of waiting. That immediately means that, 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 that's a false prophecy because that's the false spirit of what God intends. I, well, I want to be like the person that's busy when Jesus comes again. Like busy, I want to be at my busiest the moment He comes. I want to be doing the most. I want to be advancing the kingdom the most. I want to be um, doing whatever God has called me to the busiest. One of the, the scriptures, and I've shared this with you in the past. You know the the, the peril of the ten miners, the ten not ten miners, people mining, but ten minas, the the, the Jewish coin. Um, the ten and each, each, with, each of the servants was given a coin and then he went away and they had to work it while he was away. And when he came back, he said, what have you done with my mina? What have you done with what I've given you? And I want, I want, I want that to, <laughs> I want to look him in the eye and say, not busy in my flesh, not just doing my own and, and just you know, making Ishmael's left, right, and center and messes here and there because I'm just trying. I want to be doing it by faith. I know that unless I do it by faith, unless it's a work of grace, it does not count. It, you know, the blowtorch will be provided, uh, applied, and um, only that which is of the Lord stands. So I'm, it's not just busy. It's busy in the spirit. It's busy in the grace. But it's busy. And I get this also from Jeremiah 29 because they were prophesying and they were saying, don't do anything. And um, so, you know, verse 9, the verse before verse 10, we're, we're reading backwards. They prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So he said, don't listen to them. Because they're saying, let's have nothing to do. We're here in Babylon, but let's get out of Babylon. And he's saying, no, you're going to be here for 70 years whilst you're in Babylon. He says, I'm going to tell you what to do whilst you're in Babylon. Verse 5. Um, or read from verse 4 just to get the context we're going backwards thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel to all the exiles whom i whom i have sent into exile from jerusalem to babylon build houses in them and live in them plant gardens eat their produce take wives that doesn't mean take wives means (laughs) find someone and make them your wife (laughs) Take wives, become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husbands. They may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Get busy and be fruitful. And verse seven, and seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. In other words, do all you can to make where you are flourish. And then I'll take you out And what happens then is their business, but but your job is to make this world flourish whilst we are here. That's why I know it's a false prophet who says the Lord is coming, and if the result is that people disappear into caves and stock up on food and get their shotgun, that's not the Lord. Because the Lord says, if I'm coming, you ought to be out there even busier seeking this world to do. And you say, but this world's terrible. This world's going down, you know, all these problems. That's why we're here for this time to do what we can to to change this world. He said, but who am I? What can I do? And all the rest. And so there are three times um, when we have somebody, a person who is highlighted as a person in captivity, a person in exile, a person who's not where they should be, but what does God do in them? And so you have Joseph. Joseph who was one of the 12 brothers and he's with the father and they're working, They're trying to, their, their job is to get to the promised land. But he is, through his brother's hatred, sold into slavery and ends up down in Egypt. So what happens to him in Egypt? And then you have Daniel plucked out, taken with the young rulers, taken to Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. What happens to him? And then you have the story of Esther which is the Jews who are in captivity and they're going to be decimated and wiped out but what do they do whilst they are in exile they're in captivity there and so i've been looking at these stories because these stories are a picture of what we are to be all right so i want you to to, to say okay so you got joseph you got daniel and you're probably going to say Esther here, but actually I'm going to say Mordecai. I, I, I'll get this. It's more Mordecai's story than Esther, but we'll come to that. So you got Joseph, Daniel, Mordecai, you. All right? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're, the, you're number four. All right? Joseph, Daniel, Mordecai, and now you here. And, and you look back. Now, I... Was been studying this because I'm looking at and through the eyes of favorites and, and under, really digging into the word of the Lord to see how favor works and, and what it's for us. And I just got drawn into this story of Esther and I was studying it and there's favor all over it and um, concepts and principles of favor. And I came to this revelation and I'm like, Mordecai and Joseph, it's the same story. It's just like the more I looked at it, I realized. It's exactly, it, there's so many parallels, so many, you know, crossovers. And I, oh. And then last night, I actually had this thought, oh, I can't be the only one that's seen this. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, I'm going to preach it tomorrow. I should maybe check that I am not the only one that has seen this because it's always a bit dangerous if you're the only one on the planet that's ever had this revelation. That's maybe a pause. Maybe I'm missing something or seeing something that's not there. And so I did a search for um, Joseph. Mordecai. All right, now the first thing is I'd like to talk to the parents of Mr. And, uh, talk to, to Mr. and Mrs. Mordecai who had a child and named him Joseph, and he became a famous artist or something in the 1800s because he ruined my Google search, right? Because Joseph Mordecai just, oh yeah, there's lots of Joseph Mordecai. I oh, no, no, that's one person. What is this guy? So refine the search. Then I found there's a book. And there's websites dedicated to this. And there's Jew, no, Jewish websites dedicated to this concept, Joseph and Mordecai. And that's when they also oh, and said, oh, it's not just Joseph, Mordecai. It's Joseph, Daniel, Mordecai. The three of them. It's a three, not, not just a pair. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see that. If I'd thought long enough, I probably would have got that myself. Um, Joseph, Daniel, Mordecai. So many similarities. And one of the key things about Joseph's life is he lived under the favor of God. The reason reason he was continually raised up is because God was with him and and he had favor. And the reason Mordecai was able to see it was all about favor. And it was through his cousin, his young cousin, Esther. Now, a lot of times when I read the book of Esther, I am reading, and it has been locked into my brain, I am reading the story of Esther because the book's named after her. All right? But I don't know why, and I'm, I'm, you know. But if you've got an old white guy and a young pretty girl, they name it after the pretty girl. <laughs> That's just my theory. No, it, it's, Esther has become the star of that story, but if you read it, it's actually the, it, it's actually the story of Mordecai. Esther plays a secondary role. Um, if you go, go to the book of Mordecai, which is also known as the book of Esther, like I'm, I'm starting a, a champion... Mordecai here. Let's, re- re- let's rename the book. That's the book of Esther, chapter 2. Chapter 1 is some background, talks about how this whole situation, some background story. I'm not going um, to, I'll try, I'll just give you a very brief overview. I don't want to speak to the whole story, but the very brief overview is that the Israelites have been taken into captivity. And by this stage, um, it is a Persian king. Called Harasuas, and he is in charge. and He's like, he is reigning 127 provinces all over. He's like the biggest ruler over the world at this stage. And he is just one mighty, powerful king. And um, he's just, and, and one of the most amazing things is books like Esther and Daniel, and then even Joseph, people get the, it, it pops some of the theologians' heads. They don't know what to do with it because it's like, It's not all nice and neat. You know, when when it's David and and King David and King Solomon, you can sort of put them into place, you know, and God speaks to them by the prophet. And if Daniel does the wrong thing, a prophet will come up and rebuke them. And, and, you know, things are sort of nice and ordered. But they will do things. Nebuchadnezzar will do things. And God calls him my servant. And people say, he's not God's servant. He doesn't even have a relationship with God. And he's doing all sorts of terrible things. And, you know, this king is just, he's not actually a very nice person in a lot of respects. And yet, God, you know, we don't talk about that. And, and there's some people like, I want you to come and fix them all up. You know, and there are some people, when we, we we are in a Babylon, and it's really tempting just to want to fix everything up. I don't know whether you like that. If you have that in abundance, probably don't go on social media because, you know, people are trying to fix everything up and fix everybody up and everybody is doing the wrong thing. And this person, and there is a sense of try. okay, I do understand we need to call out sin and we need to make you know, to stand up, but just be aware, we're in Babylon, where our job is to make it better while we're here, and there's some stuff that will happen, and kings and people that are not righteous, but God will still use them and work through them, even though they're doing stupid stuff, and um, so this king had this amazing idea, had this party, went on for months, and then he's, they're all happy, and, and he says, ah. Oh. Bring the queen, you know, so she can dance and make everyone happy. You know, like it's not a very nice thing to do. And and the queen says, "No, I'm not coming. I'm not just going out there be your plaything to, you know, for you to make dance in front of everybody." And and so the king's furious. And they said, you know, so you know what? Are the, and and his advisors, you cannot let this go on. Every man in the kingdom is going to hear about this, and every every woman going to rise up. And so he says, "All right, I banish her. She's not coming into my presence anymore." That'll teach him, and every every man and every woman across Persian kingdom goes. There's a lesson there. What that lesson is has got really no relevance. That's why theologians' heads pop off because they're trying. Well, what do we do with that? That's just a dumb king doing whatever he does. All right, you don't have to. The Bible is full of stories that, that just says that's what happened. It doesn't say that you should do what's happened. It just is. you know the, the stories in the Book of Judges where this guy said, "I'll sacrifice the first thing I see when I come home," and his daughter comes out, and he's like. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That doesn't mean we should do these things. Just saying what dumb people do in their foolishness. So it just, they just, it just tells you this is what happened. But anyway, the king gets lonely, then and says, it sounded like a good idea, but now I'm, now I can't see my queen Vashti and I did love her. What do I do now?" And they come up with this amazing idea, and he goes, "Oh, I think this is a really good idea." They said, "Let's find the prettiest girls across the kingdom, bring her here." you know, let's put them through beauty treatments for a year and then they can come and spend one night with you and then you can see whether you like them or not and then they'll just go into your harem and, you know, and then you can try another one and then, you know, you can have your favourites. He goes, that's a good idea. You know, theologian. (laughs) what's she doing? Okay, I'm not going to comment because I don't know what I'd say. Um... So we come, and this is where the story is, is, is one, one, one pretty young lass gets brought in, and her name is Esther, or as we know her name. Well, do you actually know her true name? Her name is Hadassah. Hadassah it was renamed. They, they gave her a Persian name, Esther. Um. And so this, I think, oh, this is about her story, but it actually like doesn't introduce her. It says, verse 5, just so... um. Let's read verse 4. I'm turning to do my verses backwards today. Then the young lady who pleases the king will be queen in place of Vashti, and the matter pleased the king. And he did a good idea, he says. Man, that is not license or an an example or anything. It's just what the king did. Verse 5. Now, there was a Jew. Ah, the story of Esther. There was a Jew in Susa, the capital, whose name was Mordecai. This is Mordecai's story. There was a Jew called Mordecai. The story actually starts with Mordecai. The son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. You got the picture. He has been exiled with everybody. And he was bringing up Hadassah. That's her, her other name is Esther because she is his uncle's daughter. In other words, she's his cousin, a young cousin, and she's orphaned. And um, for she had neither father nor mother. Now, the young lady was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So he is raising her up. It is Mordecai's story, and he has taken in Esther. So it came about when the decree went about, they're looking for beautiful women, they find Esther. And, they come, and so she's taken in. Mordecai becomes her, um, what's the word, a mentor, her, her instructor. He's giving her instruction what to do. He says, don't tell them you're a Jew. Just go there and just be there. Um, because, you know, verse 10 says, that's what Mordecai instructed, you know, and she... Um, in verse 20 of chapter 2, she says, Esther did what Mordecai told her to do as she was under his care. Even when she's gone into the harem, she's still getting her instruction. Mordecai is the one that's driving this thing. Mordecai is the one that's got the, the, the wisdom that he's leading in this. And um, so then she, she gets favor. There's favor. There's something about her that raises her to the top. It's a, pit, it's a story of favor. There's something about and that's what I believe God wants you to walk as his favorite. We're here in Babylon. There's no reason why we should be raised up. There's something special about you. And that's the, the, the favor of God is on you that will cause you to rise up in situations where you should not rise up, where you shouldn't have this favor. It just shouldn't. You know, some of the statements that you should hear in your life are we don't normally do this, but. Or I don't know why this is happening, but. This is really unusual, but we've had I remember when Caitlin, um, Caitlin and were on holidays this week, and so that's why they're not with us today and um, um, but I was reminded a number of years ago when Caitlin was studying and she'd started out um, a deacon doing a degree um, wish I wish she was here so she could tell me the exact wording, but it was a business degree, but it was to do with sports it was business and and uh, management in sports management and that side and she did a couple years of it, and she said, "Ah." Oh, The sports side's really not going to be useful to me, but I have discovered there is another degree which is more pure business, which is more the line that I want. And so I said, "Well, let's make inquiries. Let's ask. You know, you can transfer. You've got a whole lot of units here. You should be able to transfer." And then when she went to ask, they said, "No, it cannot be done. If you go here, you lose all these units. You basically, you know, you get about half a year of credits." It was crazy. It's no, you cannot switch. She said, "Oh, I can't. It's really frustrating." I said, "Well, you know, let's believe for favour. Ring again." So she rang and talked to someone else. Because there's a few people in the call centre. She talked to someone else. And they said, I'm sorry, you just cannot do that. There is no way. There is no pathway for that to happen without you losing all your credits. She goes, oh, they got a the phone. She said, oh, this is what they said. I said, well, let's ring someone else. Because we have favour. We are believing for favour. So, you know, a couple of days later, i say, ring them again. And after a while, she said, Dad, there's a problem here. The call is only so big. I'm starting to get repeats. And some of them are remembering me. <laughs> I said, Didn't you ring up about this last week? She goes, I said, Yeah, but we have favor. Let's just ring again. Let's see what happens. Ring. And so she rings again. And the person said, I can't believe this. I was about to say, No, you can't do it. She said, This just popped up. There's, she said, I don't know what this is, but you can tran- They've offered this special, it was like a one week window allowing people to transfer between these two courses with full credit and she's like what is this because she's like that wasn't there last week and it's not going to be there next week there's a little window right here and she's like this is really strange I'm like, no it's not <laughs> that's the favor of god just making a little window for us to do the transfer and then you can close that window again that's all we wanted just wanted just that little time Did they still do that i don't know i don't care but we said it was favor. It was, and we just, and the only reason we kept ringing was because we believed we walk in favor. There's something that will just cause us to rise and, and give opportunity. Because, you know, and this was, Caitlin had prayed. Caitlin was, you know, full on. She said, I really believe this is, uh, this is what I should do, I should transfer. But I'm just being told, no, 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 it just, they, there's no option. But I really feel to do it. So I said, well, we'll ring again. And she said, oh, that's, yeah, that's fun to say here, but you know, you're not on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, go, you know, yeah. anyone got that? You know, go do it. Yeah, yeah. if you're so excited, you go do it. <laughs> but I just, we just joined faith and believed, and yeah, you know, Caitlin did do it, and she was able to transfer. Think favor. There's a favor factor. There is a favor that opens the doors. And so, but then the story is how the king was highly pleased with her and said, Esther's amazing, and anyway, probably don't want to think much more about how that story goes, because I don't really understand how that palace worked in, in terms of how he chose his wives, and he had this big section where he'd say, I think I'll have Esther come tonight. But there was another person who takes, rises up, and this his name is Haman. Haman becomes one of the king's highest advisors. And he's a big man and he's full of pride. And he, verse two says, of all the kings and all the king's servants. Sorry, let me read verse one. These events, King Hacerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid it homage. So some, Mordecai says, not this guy. Not this guy. He's in Babylon, but he's not going to play by the rules of Babylon. Now, this is unusual because Vashti didn't play by the rules and she got kicked out. But, you know, it's not like it's not fair. <laughs> Vashti, Vashti got didn't play by the rules, and she's. This is not the book of Vashti. She doesn't appear again. And, and, but why did Mordecai? And Mordecai was quite happy to, to, to respect the king, but there's something about Haman and it's not right. And Mordecai says, no. We live in Babylon, but we do not play by Babylon's rules. All right? I, I'm not saying I drive over the speed limit and I um, you know, do illegal things. I'm saying the, the zeitgeist, the, the way of doing things, the lifestyle that everyone wants us to live, I don't play by the rules. That's not how I do things here. I, I stick to another set of rules. I do not go along with the way of the world at the moment. And that's why people, they're all mad. So we should be storming the capital and we should be throwing rocks at everybody. You know? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but we do. I'm going to be like Mordecai and I don't play by those rules. Now, okay, let's think about, let's think about. It. We're, we're number four. Let's go backwards. Mordecai, I'm not playing by the rules here. Who was Daniel? Daniel, they were so mad with him they made a, a rule up, especially for him, that if anyone caught, you know, makes any request except to the king, he's going to be killed. Daniel said, "I'm not stopping my prayer time. I am not stopping what is close to my heart." And what happened to him? He was thrown a lion's den for it. He would not play by the rules. All right, they are submissive people amazingly submissive people but they do not cross lines when it comes to certain things look at joseph thrown down and um think of joseph had a dream that his brothers are going to bow down to him and his mum and dad are going to bow down to him he's got this dream and 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 the brothers mock him. they say here comes the dreamer they hate him because of his dreams so that's one of the reasons they want to kill him. And they say, well, we won't kill him. We'll actually make some money of him. We'll sell him into slavery. Might as well get some money rather than just kill him. What a great choice for your brothers to make. Um, <laughs> we, 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 didn't make we never made those choices, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we thought about it, you know. But we didn't do it. We never put it into play- action. You know. So um, so the, um, he gets into Egypt and he begins to rise up because wherever he puts this, it says God was with him, the favor of God was upon him, and, in, and he's serving in the house of a, a leader there, Potiphar, and he begins to rise up. Everything he does is prospering. He is making his Babylon prosper because he's there. You should pray for your workplace so that I'll have the best year ever, that the place where you are will, will outdo everywhere else, that the, place, the, the city you're in will have the, the lowest crime rate. The street you're in would be the safest street. Your neighbors would be doing well because that's because we're there, and we have any opportunity we have to put our hand to do something and being part of something. So if I'm part of it, I want it to prosper and I want it to do well. And um, and so he's doing well. And then Potiphar's wife says he's a good-looking rooster. You know, let's think about it, right? Joseph was a good-looking man. You know, Esther was really good-looking. So you're number four. Just. <laughs> He could look like Daniel. I've got no idea what he looked like. Um, But Joseph, and, and, and and it's a temptation, not just sexual, but there's a temptation to, let's play the game, then I can keep all my privileges. Play the game, and I can stay in my privileged position. The world will stay for me if I play the game. What did Joseph do? I am not going to do this. This is dishonoring. This is not right. I make a choice to not play by these rules. He gets thrown into prison for his stand. Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. These are not choices that just mean, oh, God just immediately makes it good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the, the companions of Daniel, thrown into a fiery furnace. But then Joseph goes into prison. What's to say? And God was with him in the prison. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they look in and there's a fourth man in the fiery furnace. Daniel's in the lion's den, there's an angel in there closing the mouth of the lion. If you make a stand, it's you and God, and his favor continues to work. I'm not saying everything works perfectly, I'm saying that wherever you are, favor will work it. And he begins, Joseph begins to rise up in prison, and favor, prison begins to flourish. He has got the best run, most flourishing finish. Now, Think about it. Do you really want the Egyptian prisons to flourish? You know, it's like, ah, I don't want this, you know, this who knows who's down here and what punishments they're doing, whatever. My eyes are on the promised land. And I just can't wait to get out of here. But while he was there, he made it flourish. Whilst we are here, our job is to make it flourish. All right? So if, if, if your job is to get up food and a shotgun and to get behind a, a locked door and say, come, Lord Jesus, just get me out of here, God's like, why are you in there? I said, I want you out there making where you are flourish. And he said, but uh, it's tough there because I've got to stand. I, I've, got to make, I've got to take stands. I cannot just do it the way they do it. So... Now, Joseph's in prison, he's been sold into slavery by his brothers, he's now been um, lied about and wrongly accused, thrown into prison. A lot of people will be like, I I don't like this dream stuff. This dream stuff is nothing but hurtful, gets me into trouble. And they come to him and there's two people in the prison, um, was it the, the baker and the... The cupbearer. And they say, We've got a dream. Just don't talk to me about dreams. Get into the biggest trouble ever. Can I say, some people would be um, resentful about the whole thing, they would be bitter. Look where it's got me. Don't talk to me about dreams. Have I got a story to tell you about how a dream, is? you know what I mean? <laughs> Have you ever come across someone and, whoa, they've got a story to tell and they're just waiting to tell it? And it did not go well. It's a proven statistic. You know, 67.5% of statistics are made up by the person who makes <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, hang on a second. Jordan thought it was higher. <laughs> but there is a statistic out there. How many, the percentage of people that will share a bad story versus people who share a good story. So if, if someone gets bad service at a cafe, they're you know, four times more likely to share it with their friends than if they get good service. Or if they go to a church and have a bad experience, they're four times or five or six or seven times more likely to share it. Or if you have a, something that doesn't go right, you're more likely to share it. I don't see this out of Joseph. He has every opportunity. There's no whinging. He's just making this place flourish. And they come to him and say, so we have a dream. And he says, you know what? I am still in touch with God because you cannot interpret a dream by yourself. God is working in him. He has stayed close to God and he is freely ministering. You understand that? He's not even neutral. He has stayed in a position of usefulness to God. They come and they say, I've got a dream. He said, I'm ready to... I can tell you what your dream means because God will tell me. And then he shares the dream. And he says, now, when you get free, because one of them is going to be freed... He says, when you get free, what do you ask? It's one thing remember me. It's all I ask. Just remember me. Just remember me. And you know what happens? God remembers him, but the cupbearer doesn't. (laughs) Favor, you've got to realize, you've got to have God remembering you. Don't rely on the world to remember you. (laughs) Babylon will not remember us and speak. They'll be up and down. Do you know what I mean? It's up and down, but you can't rely on it. What you do need is to have God remembering you. So Mordecai is in this situation and um, he hears, because he's a gatekeeper, he works at the gates of the palace, and he hears of two people that are plotting to assassinate the king. So he tells Esther, because you've got the ear of the king, when you speak to the king, tell him that I've heard this plot. And she does and exposes the plot and the two people are, are put to death. The king is saved, the king of 127 provinces, the greatest nation. Mordecai has saved him. Joseph has um, revealed the meaning of the dream. And what happens? Nothing. They forget to do anything for him. Joseph, they leave him in the prison. Favor is Worked out of people who keep hearts clear even when Babylon is dumping on you. <laughs> because we're not serving Babylon. We are in the sense of, you know, they're not our master. We're, we're King God's kids here, his children, and we are serving him and he will work it out. But I'm believing for favor. You sort of say, how can you believe for favor and then say you're going to get dumped on? Well, because favor gets you through the dumping. If you hold fast to God, um, I, I used to have a, an illustration I did many years ago. I, I got a 50 cent coin, okay, people who are not used to handling money. That's a, a round object by this height. And I'd wrap it, um, and I'd drop it in a bucket and see what it does. It always goes down, a bucket of water, drop it in. But then if you wrap that same 50 cent coin in bubble wrap and push it in the water, guess what happens? It will always rise up. And even if you close off the lid and tip the bucket over, it will just keep working its way up to the top. And, But the thing that God showed me is our aim is not to get to the top in life. Our aim is to get into the bubble wrap, which is Jesus. Just find Jesus and He takes you up. Sometimes the bubble wrap is lower, but if you go to Jesus and make a choice that gets you thrown into a lion's den, put into a fiery furnace. But I would rather be in a fiery furnace with Jesus because eventually you come up. I'd rather be in a lion's den with the angelic host protecting me because when they came out, all his enemies were thrown into the lion's den. <laughs> he was, it was better. So I'm not saying seek up. I'm saying seek Jesus. And seek Jesus and believe that that favor will bring you up. Okay, so that's how it works. So Mordecai has done this amazing deed, and they forget all about him. But Haman, at the same stage, is getting angrier and angrier at Mordecai, and he puts into place. In fact, his hatred for Mordecai becomes so strong he he, he does something. He casts a lot and said, I, "I'm I'm I ask the king." And because he's he's so high up, the king says, "Do whatever you want." He says, "Okay, I want a king's decree with the king's seal that says, on this particular day, anyone can go and kill a Jew and not have any punishment. And the Jews are really not allowed to. If the Jews kick up a fuss, you know, that they'll be all the soldiers will be there to, to enforce it. You can kill any Jew you want on this day throughout the whole kingdom." And um, he came to that date by what, a thing which is called a pur, p-u-r, which means a lot which is where the, Jew, the Jews get their feast of Purim from. It comes back to this. This is a story of how this all started. And so Mordecai hears this because all the Jews are like, when that date comes, we're toast. And Mordecai says, hey, Esther, we're all praying and fasting out here. You haven't told them you're a Jew. Remember I said don't tell them you're a Jew? But you know what? It's going to come out. You're not Just because you're in the palace, you're actually not going to be safe from this. He says, "There's only one person that's going to be able to turn this around. It's the king, and there's only one person amongst us that has access to that king. That's you." And so he, he tells her, "You need to go and speak to him." Now, a couple of things. First of all, I would imagine he'd say, "If, if you don't say anything, we're toast." Is that right? If you don't, if you don't, if you don't do this because Esther says, "I'm not allowed." to to go to the king. The king has to summons me. If I turn up, I'm doing a Vashti. I'm gone. He says, if I rock up unannounced, they will not take it well. And he says, well, you've got to do something. But the interesting thing was, he does not say, you better do something, otherwise we're all gone. Listen to what he says, verse 13. Because we, we so people here, um, you were born for such a time as this but listen to what he actually said in verse 13. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, saying, do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. He says, God will look after us. God will look after us because we're Jews. We're his people. We, We just get in the bubble wrap. But he said, just imagine... That at this time you are the means he wants to use. You're the one he wants to use. He said, Who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this? You are where you are. Now, you say, Well, I'm not in royalty. I'm not... I don't I don't know where you are at this moment, but just think about what if God says I can use you where you are to bring. Are flourishing to this Babylon, whilst you're there. You say, "Well, I don't know. You know what? Well, just whatever you're doing, just what, where are you? It's like Jesus with the loaves and the fishes. Just whatever you've got in your hand, let's see what God does with it. That's where you know. Oh, you know, I play basketball with a group of young guys. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens there. I work at this place. I've got these Richards, a paramedic. Let's see what happens there. I'm doing this. Let's have it. Where are you? What are you doing? That's your moment. You can bring God's kingdom and life into that place. So she said, well, let's pray and, and do what they... Don't just sort of, well, I'll just get in there and do whatever. She prayed, they fasted, and then she went and she had a plan. God gave her a particular plan to go and to say, I want the king and Haman to come and I'm going to do a special dinner, but I'm not going to tell them what's about. She did it for a couple of days. In the meantime, Chapter six, verse one. We'll finish with this. The king could not sleep. He just couldn't sleep for some reason. The king couldn't sleep, so he got on his phone and started to scroll, scroll. Go on, but you know the way they do it back then. He'd say, "Hey, servants, come and come and read to me something that. Go and go and look in the archives. Pick a book, come and read to me." I'm bored, I can't sleep. So they just went they just happened to find the scroll with, and they happened to read from the section where it's was talking about Mordecai. Remember, he's been forgotten, but suddenly he's been remembered. The key, Pharaoh suddenly has a dream, and suddenly the, um, his, his cupbearer says, "Oh, I know someone. I know someone. I forgot about him, but now I remember him. And so the king says, "Here's the story about Mordecai." And he said, "What did we do for him?" And they said, "We did nothing." He said, "Oh, we should change that." And as it turns out, Haman comes in and he says, "What should we do for a man the king wants to honor, to show favor to, to be?" And he says, "Oh, it's talking about me. Are you, you know, anybody ever have know people that just think it's all about them? Haman, it's all about me." And um, so Haman says, oh, "I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll..." we'll Give a parade, and you will send one of the princes out the front and walk and say, "Well, look at the man God uh, that the king honors," and and then he says, "Oh, that's a great idea. You go and do it to Mordecai." He is crestfallen. He is so humiliated. He's so mad. Um. And and I've skipped a little part where he got so mad, he was making a plan to hang Haman. He's actually building gallows to kill him. And this happens. Verse 13 says, Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, all those who had given him the advice to build the the gallows and say, kill him. And he tells them what's happened. And his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, Oh, if Mordecai before whom you began to fall is of Jewish origin you will not overcome him but will surely fall fall before him they've said you can't stop this there is something about this guy that's going to rise up and you can't stop it there's something of the favour of God you can't stop it and then um, story ends with Haman being called into the second banquet Esther saying I'm a Jew he's trying to kill me Haman's a I'm not trying to kill you, I didn't know you were a Jew. King's furious, King goes outside, he is so mad with Haman that he's actually set up something's gonna kill his favorite wife. Because Esther, remember Esther came, she could have been killed, but it said, King showed favor, you can come in. King showed, unexpected, it shouldn't have happened, it shouldn't have done that, but she got favor the way there should be no favor. They changed rules, they did things, she came in. King comes back in, Haman has fallen on the queen to say, please save me. And King says, look what are you doing now? And they say, he says, well, how, What how am I gonna do with you? And they come in and they say, Oh Haman, the gallows are ready. <laughs> King says, Perfect. Hang him on them. The gallows he had created for the Jew. And, the, and then it gets all turned around. King can't stop the slaughter of the Jews on that certain day. But he says, I'll tell you what to He raises. Mordecai up to be second in charge who else got raised up to be second in charge second in charge oh, I don't know where Daniel got to I, just, I can't find a second in charge he just got raised up high there's no number Mordecai and Joseph second in charge and they said Mordecai says well I'll tell you I've got a plan he says let's put a plan in place that says that they can defend themselves on that day because that changes everything If the Jews get the support of pushing back, everybody goes, whoa, now that's not so good. And in fact, the fear of the Jews falls on everyone. No one does anything, but the Jews use it to cleanse themselves of all the people that have been attacking them. And so Mordecai says, we ought to celebrate this. Every year we should celebrate what God did, and we'll have a feast, we'll call it Purim, based on this. Chapter 10 is the, is the final. You know, what happened to Haman's, all his property was given to Esther, who gave it to Mordecai. Mordecai was given the king's signet ring to wear, second in charge. I'm going to read the last three verses of the, which is chapter 10, only three verses in the chapter. And this is why I said this is actually the book of Mordecai, because listen how it finishes. Now King Hasserus laid a tribute on the land on the coastlands of the sea and all the accomplishments of his authority and strength and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles or the kings of Media and Persia? They took a record of what he'd done. And for Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and in favor with the multitude of his kinsmen one who sought the good of his people, one who spoke for the welfare of his whole nation. While he was there, he saved his people. Joseph said, you know why I've been sent in? He said when his brothers came back, he said, you know why? And his dad, he said, you know why I was sent here? To save you guys, because a famine was coming and you would not have survived. I was in here to save you. Mordecai was there to save the Jews. That's why God gives us favour. So that while we're on this earth, we're not without a weapon. See, we don't, I can't work this system using the world's system. I can't use, this system uses um, manipulation. It uses um, compromise. It uses lying and scheming. It uses um, just do what you need to do to get ahead. It uses make whatever priority you need. You know, for, you know, forget your family and just do whatever you have to do. It, forget your friends, stomp on whatever, get up the high, You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that happen in this world and I can't use any of those weapons. It can use fear and intimidation. It can use nastiness and violence and anger. I can't use those things to be an influence. God says, so I'm going to leave you here, but I'm going to take all those weapons away. I'm going to give you one other weapon. I'm going to put favor in your life and you will do it Supernaturally. You will do it with the fruit of the Spirit, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the word of the Lord being upon you. That is your weapon to make it happen. That's why favor is so important. Favor is what opens doors for us. Favor is what gets us into being able to speak with people. Favor is what... And the world will love us and hate us up and down. But they won't be able to stop what we're doing to influence and benefit. As long as we stay with a good attitude. If Mordecai had spat the dummy, when he said, oh, the king, I rescued the king, they forgot me. If Joseph's have said, this dream stuff is nothing but pain. If people give up, your influence stops. So God just says, will you stay true to me? Will you not compromise? And will you just stay trusting me? And just wherever you are, just make it prosper. Just seek the welfare and the benefit. Pray for the peace of this city. Pray and believe God. Call on the Lord of the harvest. Say, Lord, help me, thrust me into this place to do something, help someone, grow someone. That's why we are God's favorites. We are God's favorites here in this world now. That's why, That's why favor is such an important thing to me because it's that favor that gets me into situations where I shouldn't get there. It makes provision where there is no provision, opens doors where there is no opportunity. It gives grace and peace and help. It gives me something to give. Hallelujah. Are you number four person here? You say, Lord, I am God's favorite in this situation. Same as Isaiah when he was taken up and given a vision of heaven. Then the question came to him, who's going to be this person? And what did Isaiah say? Here I am, send me. There There is a need for us to embrace and be that person. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your favorites, your people here on this earth making a difference. Father, I thank you. They are here to influence their families. They are here to influence their neighbors, they influence their workmates, they influence the people they do their shopping with, they influence the people in the council, they influence the people in the media, they influence the people who run businesses. I thank you we have favor in this street in Jesus' name. I thank you, I pray for every business in this Michelin court that they would prosper and flourish and do well. Things would go well for them in Jesus' name just for no other reason than we are praying for them and the prosperity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's everyone stand.